This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me talking Michigan's 31-10 to win over Indiana first half of this episode it's the same format that it almost always is first half we'll talk about some of the offensive takeaways remaining questions kind of zooming out what it all means and in the second half we'll talk about the defense and anything else that that comes up so Steve this was certainly an interesting first half Uh, a lot went on you know it was 10 10 at halftime two teams were from a yardage standpoint Fairly even. I think Michigan had the edge in yards per play and everything, but 10 points against Indiana. We, we discussed Indiana's defense heading into the game. This felt like a game where Michigan, you and I both thought Michigan would exceed 40 points. And so certainly a lot of mistakes. There were drop passes. There were uh, missed throws. There were missed assignments or, or routes run incorrectly. Obviously, there is also the caveat that Mike Hart collapse on the sideline very scary moment and and I kind of wrote about this after the game scary for everybody who was watching but but I think perhaps especially so for the players because they're not given you know the the follow-up information uh they're not necessarily I mean they're right there and they have to go you know with all the emotions still fresh uh, especially that that drive right after Hart's incident you know, you could see the emotion and they're out there having to play football. So, so a lot happened in that first half. Uh, and, and certainly there's, there's cause for opinions to form when Michigan scores just 10 points. But to me, you know, I had, I had my takeaways kind of some, some stuff was written. I ended up erasing pretty much everything I wrote at halftime because that second half I thought was fantastic. I thought you saw JJ McCarthy really carry Michigan for the first time in his career I suppose he's had great games he's it's not to say that that he wasn't a really dynamic high performing quarterback before but this was the first game where I think he was really asked like JJ you have to go score on this drive or you need to deliver on those third down passes or on those passes further down the field you know you're backed up you're standing in your own ed zone you and, and the game is tied you have to find a way to calm your team down and keep it moving. You know, Blake Corum had a great game, but it was, it was more methodical five, five yards per carry, uh, 125 yards on 25 carries and 50 of them came on one carry. So really it was more like three yards per carry after that one carry. So I thought this was a great game for JJ McCarthy. I I wrote one of my stories after the game felt like it could have been maybe a springboard for him. I mean, this is the best case scenario that his confidence, his comfort leading the offense is at an all-time high heading into the most important game of his career so far. So that that really jumped out to me is I thought the passing game came together in that second half, almost negating the the concerns of the first half. And I thought ultimately Michigan 
It's passing game, offensive line, receivers, quarterback, probably played their best game of the season. Thought Ronnie Bell and Luke Schoonmaker uh, did a really nice job continually being effective. It wasn't a couple plays here and there. It was it was every snap. They were open, creating separation, and, and making plays. Steve, what was your biggest takeaway from, from the entire game uh, on the offensive side of the ball? What jumped out the most to you? First off, glad, like, got to say, Mike, glad to hear that Mike Hart recovering. Guessing he'll be back sometime in the next few weeks. I would, uh, maybe, I mean, I guess they didn't really lay out a timeline, but it seems like things are progressing there. So glad to hear that. Biggest takeaway on offense? There's a few. I mean, uh, Ronnie Bell really, you know, I think, you know, like, you, I agree McCarthy really stepped up when he needed to, but I think kind of Ronnie Bell did as, as well. 11 grabs. Uh, over 100 yards, no touchdowns, but really was uh, sprung the – was it the final touchdown that he laid the the block on the edge, or was that uh, – oh, Schoonmaker's touchdown. Yeah. No, that was right? a great block, though. Absolutely. Yep. yep. Uh, so, it, you know, I think it was kind of a, a deal where Michigan did a lot of the – like they did a lot of the really good little things – in the second half that all kind of combined for one of their best halves of the season so far, you know, that's, you know, the penalties, you have a turnover. Uh, that is what keeps a lesser opponent on the road in a football game and, and Michigan uh, by far season high in penalties uh, one turn of just the one turnover right but still and, and, and regarding point, the penalties quickly like I I agree with a lot of Michigan fans who felt like the game was called a little too tight but there were false starts there were or what I would call organizational or mental penalties where right. like you know Blake Corum jumps ahead on that false start when they're at the two yard line so then they have to back up to the one you know little really the, the kind that we haven't stuff the like kind that. that we haven't seen Yep. Really at all. Let alone, you know, let alone again on the road. And that's where, you know, like I said, that stuff can can sometimes snowball. And uh, but Michigan really answered the 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 well, the bell, I guess, Ronnie Bell. Um really came out to play in the second half. I thought the other, I thought another thing, not really maybe like the most standout situation, but I think Carson Barnhart came in and played really well after Jones went down with the ankle. That's why you recruit the offensive line as heavily as you do. Uh, we've looked at Barnhart as basically a starter level player throughout, you know, and then that was a relatively close battle at right tackle. Um, now losing Jones for however long we'll see uh, it, it doesn't hurt as badly uh, when you have a guy like Carson Barnhart ready to go. You know, I mean, Carson Barnhart's the type of guy could go on and play in the NFL someday. Uh, you know, I don't think that's a reach by any means, uh, you know, I don't know if he's a draftable player or will get drafted, but either way, like the, the fall off is not that far from Michigan at that position. And, and maybe could be a guy who's ascending as, as a senior, as a senior player uh, and could end up playing some really good football for them down the, down the road. So uh, thought him stepping up was big. I wrote in my takeaways and like, I don't like I guess some people have a hard time like reading comprehension uh, it's like Michigan has, I, I said, they haven't really missed much of a beat at tight end since Eric all went down. Uh, I still feel that way. I think Luke Schoonmaker has been 
huge for Michigan. I said he's kind of reminded me of Jake Butt the last few weeks as like a, a very reliable safety valve in the passing game while also providing uh, solid blocking. He's always been a pretty good blocker. And then Michigan's play, still playing four or five guys at the position throughout the game. Um, that doesn't mean they don't miss Eric All. Eric All was a guy that we said was potential All-American type candidate this year. And uh, that injury doesn't really change that. You know, we had good foundation to believe that because he's one of the best players on the team when healthy. Uh, it just means that the tight ends have really still seemed to be stepping up in his stead and that that's huge for Michigan with the type of offense they like to run. So uh, yeah, a lot of play, another real quick Cornelius Johnson rebounding from that drop, you know, that's a senior, that's senior leadership right there. That's a kid makes a huge, like that. He might've gone for a touchdown. If he had caught that pass, the first pass that he dropped comes back, makes a huge catch. And I believe a second and long that cut, the distance in half and then still scored two touchdowns after the drop uh, thought him stepping up was huge. He, for some reason, seems to really come alive against Indiana. I don't know why, uh, but that seems to be a team he performs well against. So just a lot of guys really kind of stepping up. That's where experience, I think that's where experience is really valuable. You know, we talk about Ronnie Bell, Schoonmaker, uh, Johnson, you know, even Barnhart's played a lot of snaps out on the, on the offensive line throughout, you know, not a guy that is going to come in off the bench, not know what the hell he's doing. You know, he's going to have some idea of what needs to be done. So it was impressive in the second half. Honestly, I know Indiana is not a very good team. Definitely not one of the top four or five teams. Michigan's probably going to face this year, but again, you have a bunch of penalties adding up. You're struggling on the road. Sometimes that stuff is where that's when weird things start to happen and things can kind of slip away in a game that you should win. And uh, Michigan really answered in the second half. Yeah, it, it definitely can slip away. And, and it's also where sometimes you see, I would say, younger teams or, I don't know, less disciplined teams. That's where they start pointing fingers or, you know, saying, hey, you screwed up and, and maybe starting to get into arguments or bickering or, or playing the blame game. And, you know, I asked Ronnie Bell after the game, you know, what was the locker room like? And he said, very in sync and methodical, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't about Michigan needs to play better or needs to focus or, or anything like that. It was just make the adjustments sounded like according to him, everyone was on the same page about what those adjustments needed to be. And then they went out and, and largely did it. Um, You know, there were still mistakes in the second half. I don't think it was like a perfect second half, but if they had come out and looked like that in the first half, nobody would have cared what they looked like in the second half, you know, cause that game would have been over. I mean, you know, it was, it was very dominant largely on the defense. We'll talk about that in a, in a few minutes, but, but also I thought on offense, I think you, yeah, you just saw a lot of um, stability comfort. You know, they weren't phased by the moment. They didn't flinch. You know, think about Trente Jones. Yeah. He goes out and, and Carson Barnhart just kind of pops right in. He's also a red shirt junior, also six foot, you know, four, 310 ish pounds. Uh, his, yeah. It's, it's, it, I mean, his snap count, he's, he's played over 500 snaps in his career, which is essentially, I mean, he's essentially been a starter for a season based on his snap counts. So yeah, it's uh, I feel like this, this Michigan offense, it's a tough group to keep down for four quarters. Like at some point, whether it's the run game 
or the pass game or, you know, getting a more aggressive or more creative. I think they just have so many, this is where that experience comes into play. Yeah. So many guys who have, who have seen it all done it all. They've been in big 10 championships game games. They've been in the playoffs. They've also been a lot of them on the wrong side of really bad blowouts back in 2020. So this is a pretty, pretty seasoned group. And I think you saw that show. I mean, think about like who was getting targeted the most. It was Ronnie Bell. Who's, been around for a long time. Luke Schoonmaker, fifth-year senior. Cornelius Johnson, senior. Uh, you know, I mean, those were the players that when 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 they needed someone to step up, they did, and and consistently so. And I I thought offensive line, you know, if there's one concern, and we'll talk about this in a second, it's it's maybe that that run game, run blocking against a team that that you know we mentioned they they are better at stopping the run, but um, you know, th- they stacked the box and, and for a little while, Michigan didn't necessarily have that great of an answer. So, uh, maybe that's the one critique, but I thought pass protection was fantastic. Uh, I mean, JJ McCarthy, I mean, he was only under pressure a few times, less than one out of five times, but still was effective in that sense. So arrows pointing up in a lot of ways. Steve, I, ultimately Michigan, you know, ran the ball what they needed to do. They they had 165 rushing yards on 40 carries, just over four yards per carry. Blake Corum helped with that, right, with the 50 yard run. But outside of that play, it was a lot of tough sledding. From from your vantage point, was that Indiana fully selling out, stacking the box, just trying to stop the run? Was that Michigan's offensive line, maybe? missing some assignments here and there. What what jumped out to you about the run game? Because I think in the end, it's probably better for Michigan that they had to pass to win the game because that's a skill set they're going to need later this month. You have to imagine Penn State's top priority will be stopping the run. Michigan State is probably going to sell out completely to stop the run uh, and just hope that Michigan throws picks or something. So at some point, they, they were going to need to have a game where they won with the pass. But what are your thoughts on the run game? You know, Donovan Edwards had maybe a quieter game running the ball than, than I expected necessarily. Uh, your initial thoughts on what you saw from the O-line, the running backs, and then also the play calling in the run game. So, yeah, it's the last one you mentioned is kind of where I'm openly kind of wondering what, you know, I think there's times where it feels like Michigan just just feels like they can walk out there and dominate the line of scrimmage, but I mean, there were, there were multiple plays on Saturday where India, I, I, the box was already kind of crowded, but it felt like Indiana like had some kind of key on when Michigan was going to run the football versus when they weren't going to run the football. And I don't know if Michigan made the right, they, you know, made some kind of, I know the last drive, they, they did what, what we kind of figured they would be able to do throughout the game, you know, run the ball down the field, milk the clock. Etc. But but there was a time where it, it, I don't know if it was so much about missed assignments and, and and poor blocking as it was Indiana was just rushing the line of scrimmage and there was no you know nowhere to go the back had nowhere to go who, regardless of who it was uh, especially considering I think it was Indiana's nose tackle was out it's one of their best players right I mean and this isn't well linebacker a, Cam Jones was out and he leads Power Five with run stops there you go so yeah 
Yeah, no, that point made even further than, uh, you know, and they're not a good defense to begin with. So I, you know, I don't know. I, I, I kind of wonder uh, Penn state. So yeah, like I agree. Penn state similar uh, Penn state's past defense has actually been below average so far this year. Um, feels like Michigan may be able to exploit them there. Cause yeah, Penn state, if you, there's one thing about Penn state that they, they always have, they, it seems like anyway, they always have a pretty solid front seven. Uh, you know, they're, they're not a team that it, it's never really easy to run the football against them. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I thought I, it felt like it was more uh, potentially predictable play calling for Michigan on Saturday than it was uh player failure, I guess. I don't know how else to describe it. Um, you know, especially when you see Corum unable to get back to the line of scrimmage, that, that usually means there's more people attacking than there are able to block for him. So, uh, you know, that'd be something to look for on the rewatch. I haven't rewatched the game yet. I just know, you know, just it, there were, there was one play I know where I think three Indiana defenders got in the backfield right as the ball was being handed off. And it was like, that was like two telegraph. It felt like they knew exactly what was coming. And, uh, you know, I know Joel Klatt called it out on the telecast too. Uh, he ended up not really being totally right uh, in what he was saying about motion versus non-motion being a run versus a pass. But, but there was, there, there were stretches where it felt like Michigan was a little predictable there. And uh, I don't know if it's because they just, they feel like they can beat Indiana regardless of how they approach them. Uh, that's what I, that's like I said, that's sort of the sense I get because I, if there's one thing, and I know everyone's uh, harped on the deep ball, I think Michigan really only threw the ball down the field, what, once or twice, maybe, um, is they, they, they're they so diverse in their skill set offensively that this really does feel like a situation where they have not opened things up all the way yet. Um, again, open to being wrong, open to being in a couple weeks. We're saying they're still not doing a lot of those things, but, but they've say if it's not open next week, it's just right. not exactly. There. Yeah. But again, with the, with the returning experience and talent they have at back and receiver and at quarterback, if we're being honest, obviously McCarthy's look great. Then, you know, I think we, there's gotta be a point where we're going to start to see a little bit more. They've really, and we've talked about this, Zach, they've kind of abandoned that, but they, they threw it a few times on Saturday, but they really haven't gone back to the well with that bubble as often again, still. And I, I don't fully understand why uh, I, I think as good at blockers as bell and Johnson are in particular, I think Andrew Anthony has been pretty good on the edge too. You know, you got a guy like Henning, you could even put Edwards back there to catch a bubble. Like, I just feel like that's something, you know, might be something we'd see on Saturday against Penn state, you know, to get those linebackers to have to think uh, horizontally and vertically. Uh, so That'll be something I'm watching, but either way, it just, it felt like they were a little predictable at points on Saturday. Yeah, I think that's, that's fair. Definitely felt that way in the first half. Um, You know, I am not someone who knows Michigan's playbook, but yeah, it did feel like, especially like that fourth down run. I mean, Indiana was all over that. They knew exactly where that play was going to go and exactly how it was going to look. And, and yeah, I think the best thing you can do, if you're an offense is just make those linebackers double take on runner pass, right? Because half, half the battle, I mean, it's kind of like a hitter trying to figure out if it's a fastball or a curveball in baseball. It's like, 
boy, if you give it to them ahead of time, then yeah, they're going to fare much, much better. So curious to see. Yeah. I mean, Michigan's got so many play callers. I have a hard time believing that this wouldn't go unnoticed, you know, from a week to week basis. Uh, The only other thing I would add to what you said is I think the vision in the backfield, I think Corum has improved his vision a lot, but I think, I think Donovan Edwards, that might be an additional asset that, that he's still working on. And, and I don't know, you know, what he did. What, he did feel a little hesitant. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That yeah. was, that, yeah. With him, that was one thing that was definitely noticeable, not attacking the crease as quickly. Corum seems to have a better give and take on go here or go there. But and that yeah, makes Edwards, sense. Cause he's, he's had, he's had way more carries this right, year. Right. You know, he, so. he has a much better, he's much more in the game rhythm. Um, but that would be maybe the next step. And that's, again, the, for, for those who are like, why are they so critical? They won by 21. Uh, we evaluate this based on like what Michigan can be. Michigan can be a team that beats Indiana by 45. So, you know, there's, there's more room to grow. Speaking of that, we're going to hit a quick break. On the other side, we'll talk about the defense and other additional thoughts on, on what this win means for the Wolverines. You're listening to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. All right, we're back. Thanks for waiting. So, Steve, the defense really shut it down in the second half. I mean, that was incredible. They allowed 29 yards in the second half. And, and really, in the first half, it, you know, they allowed almost 200 yards, but it, it was only 10 points. You know, I think a lot of people were, were kind of panicking because there were a couple penalties and there was a couple big plays. But, but really, I, I, I think, I think this defense is really starting to, to get to – it's finished product. I think the only, the only thing I can sit here right now and say it's, it's, it's a problem is just that linebacker coverage. I think that they, whether it's their depth, whether it's the inexperience, it's a pretty young group outside of Michael Barrett. Um, you know, obviously, Nikai Hill Green has been out. I would not have penciled him in as a top coverage linebacker anyways, but you know, it, really, it, it really is a thin room, and you're seeing Junior Colson as athletic and talented as he is and as, as great as he is at tackling and at recognizing and stopping the run, I think coverage is still a weak point, but man, other than that, they're, they're looking pretty, pretty machine-like on defense. You know, that the pass rush, uh, seven sacks, I know Indiana threw it 55 times, but that's still a very good number. They're averaging almost a sack and a half more per game. They meaning Michigan than they did last season when they had Aiden Hutchinson, when they had, um, David Ajabo. So I don't think that it's quite, I don't think the pass rush is quite as good as it was last season yet, but I do think they're, it, it, the drop off is not what maybe critics or skeptics had feared. Uh, you know, Mike Morris looking like one of the Big Ten's better edge rushers, you know, Yabioki starting to get into that conversation too. And I thought, I thought Derek Moore had one of his better games. I don't know what the box score says, but it, you know, I test. I thought he had a great game. Um, so you're starting to see like a true second platoon in the pass rush. And then I thought coverage, this is a good coverage test for Michigan, especially ahead of the Penn State game is, you know, having DJ Turner get targeted seven times, having, you know, Mike Sainer still, uh, they were trying to pick on him. They targeted him five times. Yeah, I thought he had maybe his best game on defense, maybe his best game period, actually. Uh, for the Wolverines so 
I thought you thought they passed the, the coverage test. They definitely passed the the run defense test. I mean, they allowed three runs of uh, ten yards or more. Everything else got stopped at the line, though. I mean, thirteen runs by my count that were two yards or less downfield. So I came away very impressed with the defense. And and Steve, you were saying something before the show. I, I'm stealing your thought a little bit, but it really felt like Michigan's rotation and conditioning on defense really started to show where that pass rush, I mean, every single passing snap and and Indiana was throwing it a a ton, but it was like that offensive line. They were like, crap, we have to do this again. (laughs) They they just brought in guys with fresh legs who were just as quick and just as athletic. Uh, And and I'm, I'm starting to believe a little bit. And I think the, the situations of the games play a role here, but I'm starting to believe that Michigan has a true four quarter defense where they have the conditioning, they have the depth uh, and they have their, their ability to make adjustments after those first couple drives, I think has been really impressive to watch in big 10 play where, where, yeah, they, they almost seem like they're stronger in the fourth quarter than they were in the first, but your thoughts on the defense, some of the biggest things that stood out to you. Uh, I don't think we heard Jamon Green's name one time <clears throat> throughout the entire telecast. I think that's good thing. No, noteworthy. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, it's in that they're not throwing to him. Right. Yeah, uh, not, nothing against him. Just no, that's good. <laughs> no, like, you know, like what uh, corner and like offensive line, right. Or like the two spots you don't want to really hear. If you don't hear the guy's name during the telecast, they're probably uh, playing a high level of football. So that's good. I don't think, this is a sign of things to come for DJ Turner. I think he just gets a little too aggressive at points. Uh, I think he'll be fine. You know, again, we're nip. Michigan only gave up 10 points. Uh, and it was, I believe the drive that scored was heavily penalty aided too, wasn't it? Um, so either way, uh, yeah, Michigan, a eh, little like the run, run defense was excellent again. Another area where I, you know, I think a guy like Chris Jenkins doesn't get talked about enough as uh, being a, an elite run defender. Uh, him and Mozzie Smith in the middle have been awesome for Michigan in slowing down the run, and that allows them to basically shift whoever else all over the place. Uh, I think we said last week. I think Oki's breakout has allowed them to utilize Mike Morris in a few different ways than they normally would, you know, and then. Yeah, you got Derek Moore on top of that. You know, that again, this is kind of not quite, I don't know, best case scenario, but but getting there, uh, especially when you have a true freshman like Mason Graham who's playing the way he is, too. I mean, that these are things you weren't we would, would have predicted that Michigan was gonna have a good defense this year and not banked on a true as high as we were on Mason Graham and everybody was, to be fair. Uh don't think we thought he played this well this early, but defensive line is a spot where you know, that's what we said. Like if, if they've recruited a lot of talent, you know, even guys like Rooks and, and Rayshon Benny, four-star recruits, like these guys are capable of breaking out. And if they do, every time you add another body, a capable body to the rotation, it just gives a whole new dimension to what Michigan can do because it, it, you can plug guys into spots, but each guy's got a little bit of a different skill set, you know? And so you can, you, you have almost limitless scenario-based uh, personnel groups that you can you can throw out there. So you know that's why I said you see Oki on the outside. That they can shift Morris inside a little bit on on passing downs if they want to. Um, 
you know, Harrell, great run stopper and getting better as a, as a pass rusher. Uh, you know, he, he's a guy that you can, you don't have to, it's not giving away runner pass. And actually on top of that, I thought Oki, I mentioned this too, in the takeaways piece, I thought he made a couple really nice plays in the run game on Saturday too. Michigan had him out there on first and second down. He was not just a third down pass rusher on Saturday. So, you know, that snap count's probably going to continue to go up. So overall, yeah, I agree with you on the linebackers. I think we've been on that for a long time now. I, it's it's going to be, it feels like if Michigan gets gashed defensively, it's going to start by getting beat in the seams uh, in the passing game, which is where Penn State, with tight end with a they've always they always throw the ball to their tight ends uh, they have a couple good ones again they always uh seem to be pretty solid at that so they'll present a different challenge for Michigan because I agree there are times where Colson even does look look there are situations where he looks all right in coverage but on a play-to-play basis um totally caught out of position a couple times uh just you know danger zone type stuff against the right team where if they hit the pass. I mean, even there was even the one play, I think Jimmy Rolder came in on a third down and, and uh, I think it was Lucas for Indiana dropped the ball. Uh, if he had caught that, he had nothing but open field in front of him. I mean, that they're just, was that the third and 17 play? Yeah. But there was so no, I, I think Michigan told them like, let him catch. I don't know. It, it I remember been, what I thought. It, I was like, I don't been, think he would have made it, but wow. okay. maybe All right, he was open. Um, that's what I'm saying. Like, but even then, like, you know, you have a linebacker on maybe Indiana's fastest player. Uh, just, you know, just the linebacker play does. It seems con- it seems to continue to be kind of inconsistent. I think we are not that surprised at that, and we've said that a return for Nikai Hill Green would be big for the unit. And I agree, it's not like it's going to turn around their coverage at the position overnight. But I think it'd be an improvement. Uh, from top to bottom from what we've seen. So uh, since he didn't travel, I can't assume at all that he's going to play on Saturday. I, I would be shocked. You know, I would have think a guy would travel uh, with less than a week, but uh, we'll see. But either way. Yeah. I mean, thought Michigan really stepped up in the second half too. The other thing was the defensive backs uh, really did a better job of tackling in the second half. If you get Indiana in second 11, second and 12, it is just night and day when they try to run tempo compared to second and five, second and six. And of course, second five, second and six is good for any offense, but they have to change everything they're doing uh, if it's second and long versus second and, you know, mid or second and short. Because, uh, you know, you especially against Michigan, who's who's stopping the run at the, the level they are, uh, you can't you know, you have to almost drop back if you're Indiana in second long and they were in those situations a lot. And that's where Michigan really feasted. So the overall encouraging performance by Michigan up front. Yeah. That, that unit just is getting better and better every week. I think it's opponent independent too. Uh, I just think these guys, I suspect they should have some success on Saturday against Penn state. That's one area where Michigan always seems to really show out against Penn state is getting pressure on, on Sean Clifford, I think we talked last year, uh, his performance against Michigan was one of the grittiest, toughest performances we've seen from an opposing player. I mean, he was getting battered back there. Uh, Got to think Michigan thinks they can do something similar uh, on Saturday. So, uh, you know, that unit is gelling at the right time because if they win on Saturday, 
uh, they should be considerable favorites uh, the rest of the way until they head to Columbus. Yeah, I think that's that's fair to say. Um, you know, Michigan State, Rutgers, Illinois is now ranked, so it's not like it would be easy. Like they wouldn't walk to it, but I, I think you're right. They would be in a position where they can feel comfortable and go into each week feeling capable of a win. So, Steve, the last thing we'll talk about, I mean, you know, we, we've talked about the offense and defense. Michigan is 6-0. and uh, It turns out, you know, their, their strength of schedule is not particularly high. Iowa lost again. Maryland lost this past weekend. Obviously, the three non-conference games, those aren't going to age well no matter what. Is there anything, you know, there's, there's plenty that we're high on. Is there anything else that we haven't already discussed that, that you think could be a, you know, red flag, orange flag, yellow flag heading into that Penn state game uh, because Penn state, you know, I think people sometimes forget because Eric all's play was so incredible. I mean, they had Michigan on the ropes. They almost ended Michigan's season last year uh, and, and Michigan was shorthanded and they were on the road, but at the same time, that was a Penn state team that was, that was pretty banged up uh, that ended up going seven and six, but you know, that talent, that defensive depth, I feel like is always there feel like their, their offensive line and run game are at least improved this season. I don't think that they're necessarily uh, elite yet, but at the same time, you know, I think that Auburn win, you know, as, as bad as Auburn is, you know, that was still a pretty impressive display of how much more balanced Penn state is. So anything, anything jump out to you, you know, from these last six games, uh, and, and thinking realistically, what can actually be fixed? What can actually you know, be changed? Because like I, I think the linebacker coverage, I think the hardest part for Michigan is they just have to play around it. You know, it wasn't great last season. Uh, it's probably about the same this year. But they did all right last season. They figured out, you know, how to, how to minimize its impact. But if you're Michigan's coaches, I mean, what are some of the things that you're circling heading into this week? Like this this needs to be corrected. This has to be improved knowing who their opponent is this week. Yeah. I mean, cause things do seem like really mostly pretty good right now. I, I do think, you know, Michigan is going to need even more from McCarthy than what they've gotten. I don't, I'm not sure they can just play the short to intermediate game because Penn state's front seven is probably the what second best. I guess Ohio state by default will probably have the best front seven that Michigan will face this year, but Penn state's probably second. Um, so maybe a little, some onus on the offensive line to protect because Penn state does have some solid pass, some really good pass rushers. Uh, they stole chop Robinson from Maryland. He's really good. Uh, Abdullah Carter looks like a stud as a true freshman. So they have Penn state's always got guys up front. So, you know, Barnhart will have to step up. Ryan Hayes left to keep playing the level he's been playing at. So, you know, I, I do, I just think they'll need more out of JJ McCarthy on Saturday. Uh, just not that they, you know, he's played excellent ball in my opinion so far this season. I just, you know, this will be another step in his sort of journey or, uh, you know, culmination of, of the first six games of the season. So, and then defensively. Yeah. I mean, I really think it comes down to, the linebacker play still maybe the safety play. I one thing I did what happened like I had to re, I had to look. I haven't seen. I said I didn't watch rewatch the game, but R.J. Moten did he play on Saturday? He was not on the PFF snap count. Um, 
you know, is Michigan going to need more at that position? You know, besides Rod Moore, Makari Page, is uh, Quentin Johnson got a little bit of extended run on Saturday. Uh, must have played okay because didn't really hear his name much out there. But, you know, just that middle of the field. You know, Mich- or, uh, Penn State, Nick Singleton's a home run hitter. True freshman, was the number one running back in the cycle last year. You know, he, he hasn't put up numbers the last couple games, but is a guy that he is one of those uh, classic home run hitter type running backs. I mean, if he finds a seam and, get, and gets in the open field, he's going to be tough to stop. So, you know, I think it comes down to limiting those big plays in the running game for Penn State and then just getting more pressure on Sean Clifford because we've seen Penn State just feels very inconsistent. I think Penn State could come in and, on Saturday and win. I think Michigan could go in and blow them out. I mean, they barely beat Northwestern. Uh, True. The yeah. week before, I mean, and, and that Central and North- Michigan game was another one where you you saw it almost in the same game where they they yes. were kind of flirting. They came out hot, let them back in, and then finished kind of like how you expected them to. Right. But was you much saw closer. Was much closer than what the final score indicated, at least for first three three and a quarter quarters. You know, so you know it, that's that. I guess that's for me. It's it's uh, which Penn State shows up. Uh, but I do still think that Michigan overall, I think if Michigan plays uh, to their capabilities, I think if both teams play their capabilities, I'm picking, I would pick Michigan to win this game, but yeah, you got to slow down. You can't let them break the big play uh, in the running game. And then, yeah, it's, I think that middle of the field defensively is, is going to be uh, huge for them. Yeah. In terms of Moten, just to, to clarify, he played 14 snaps on Saturday, but that is something to keep an eye on that it almost seems like you know the other safeties were playing more. So I don't know if there was an injury. Uh, Michigan won't talk about it, even if there was. Yeah, I know he missed a tackle. So something, some things to keep an eye on in that front. I'm with you all the way on, you know, this has got to be a game where Michigan's offensive line really shines. You know, if, if they – if Michigan wins, beats Penn State, my guess is that one of the talking points after the game will be how its offensive line played because this is a, is a good defensive front. And so that's where the yards before contact, you know, the, the, the run play, trench play, the run game trench play, I should say, against Indiana is, is interesting because I don't think that is a weakness of Michigan when Michigan is playing at its best. But for for a litany of reasons on Saturday. That is something that, that I'm, if I'm Michigan's coaches, I'm keeping an eye on this week. Like how, how do you create more space in that run game? Because I think, I think it's fair to say Blake Corum is one of the best running backs in the country. And I think it's fair to say Donovan Edwards is one of the best backup running backs in the country. And so, you know, how do you, how do you maximize that? And I think some of it is getting them involved in the passing game or getting, uh, you know, maybe working on the, on those read options a little bit too, you know, just to keep keep yeah keep Penn State or whoever's defense guessing, particularly at the linebacker position, where if you can catch them out of position, you can make a big play. You can instead of second and nine, it's second and two, and then you can get really creative and aggressive and and do a number of things on defense. I th- I think the big thing is just continuing to get whatever you saw in the fourth quarter over the past three weeks. And and some of that is situation, right? You know, when those teams are trailing, 
Michigan gets to go into the onto the field and say, we know they're about to pass. So I guess finding a way to determine when it's going to be a pass play, but then also bringing that same tenacity, same confidence, because you talk to, to the defensive line. I mean, they feel really good about where they're at. They, they are really pleased with a lot of the individual development, a guy whose name we didn't mention this week, but Mason Graham, you know, continuing to, to be um, just really valuable as a true freshman on that defensive front. So I feel like there's seven or eight players who are really locked in, really producing at a very consistent level. And so yeah, creating pressure and ultimately just controlling the game, right? If, if, if your last season with Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo, I mean, they controlled what opposing offenses did. They dictated it because their play and their tenacity, I mean, it forced other teams to have to like shorten their playbook. They couldn't do, you know, the, the seven step drops and waiting for a long play to develop 25 yards downfield. You know, they had to think differently. So continuing to be disruptive up front. Cause I really like where the cornerbacks and the safeties are at. You know, I, I, I really think, you know, that Iowa game, maybe a little bit of cause for concern, you know, thinking about a Mike Sainer still, but he had a great bounce back game. I thought Rod Moore had a great game as well. And so, yeah, continuing to, you, you, you can count on that, but you do have to hurry the thing, hurry the clock up, hurry, uh, is, get Penn State out of rhythm, I suppose. I did think one last thing I would mention about Michigan, Indiana. I thought Michigan handled tempo pretty well. I, I thought they did. I thought they, they seemed pretty aware of when it was time to sub and when it wasn't. And they seemed to be pretty cognizant of, of, you know, which players needed to be out there in which given situation. But, um, you know, that was something I know we were watching before the games to keep an eye on. All right. With that all said, that's going to do it for today's episode. For Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. Be sure to check out all of our stories over at the MichiganInsider.com, Michigan.247sports.com. Lots of content, not just from this game, but looking ahead to a top 10 matchup against Penn State. We will also have a preview episode where we really dig into what what Penn State does, you know, who their top players are and what Michigan can do to stop them. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. We'll see you next time.